go to Hebrews chapter 11 and um, and some other places as well. And we'll be in lesson 12, page 49. And um, the subject is praying, of course. Lord, teach us to pray. And this one is pray for your children. And uh, that should be something that comes naturally, I guess. Thank you, sir. But a lot of times we <clears throat> we we think about all the other things our children need, but we don't remember how much we need our Heavenly Father to take care of our children. And so praying for your children. And so we're going to, we'll be in Hebrews, we'll be in other places, but um, it says this generation is suffering from the consequences of the breakdown of the home, no doubt about it. The spiritual condition of the how, of the home is at the heart of these matters. <clears throat> There's just a breakdown. Um, I, I read this statistic. Um, this author, our author, Clarence Sexton, by the way, has been in the hospital, and they can't figure out what's wrong with him. I don't know if they've got it figured out yet, but pray for Clarence Sexton. He's he's writes a lot of the material that we use for Sunday school. Pastor Clarence Sexton in Tennessee. Anyhow, uh, Pastor Sexton said he was listening to a, a speaker a few years ago talking about statistics and um, and the family and things like that. And, and this man said that a third of children today are born out of wedlock. One third of today's children are born out of wedlock. And you think to yourself, well, so the other two thirds are born in, in you know, a, no, because there's another third that's just aborted. So there's a third born out of wedlock. There's a third that's aborted and only a third are born with mom and dad in the home married so and I know that's true just from our little community I know that's not too far off um, and and so we have a serious problem and and the breakdown of the home is an attack from Satan himself and the destruction of home and family and the encouragement of anything but biblical normal family and we need to work on that we need to ask God to help us with that and of course we aren't necessarily we don't necessarily choose how we're, you know, who we're born into, the families we're born into, but we need to determine to see our children and our grandchildren change and break the cycle uh, from what it has been. And so, may God help us to find in His Word the help we need for the home. In Hebrews eleven twenty three, the Bible says, "By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment." They hid him, knowing that the king, Pharaoh, <coughs> said that all of the Hebrew baby boys were to be killed. There was a, there was getting to be a population explosion of Hebrews, and they didn't want them to be larger than the Egyptians. And so to dominate them, they wanted to abort them, to kill them. And uh, th that's not changed in all these thousands of years. Um, there is an attack from Satan to keep um, people from reproducing godly young people. And uh, and so we see this here way back in the book of Exodus. And we'll get to Exodus in a minute. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, God says there's a connection between what we do in our homes and how God hears and answers our prayers in heaven. What is, what's that connection? Well, we go to 1 Peter and we read verse 7 of chapter 3. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And so it is important that husband and wife are on the same page, 
and they are both recognizing their dependency on God for their children. In my younger years, I thought spanking harder produced better kids, and so I would spank, spank harder. Now, here's what it does produce. It produces obedient kids, but not necessarily better kids. They'll, they'll obey because they don't want to get thumped again as hard as that one was. <clears throat> but after a while, you realize, you know what? There's more to life, and there's more to ra- raising children than just spanking. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't spanking at all, and that's the, that's the opposite. That's, that's the pendulum swinging in the opposite direction, which isn't right. The Bible does teach it. But the Bible teaches us to have a dependency on God, to recognize that it's it's about trusting God in the rearing of our children and not just ourselves and our abilities. Sometimes we think we're clever because we tricked our kids into obeying. <clears throat> After a while, they realize we're lying to us. They won't appreciate that. <coughs> or we're trying to trick them. And oh, oh, after a while, those tricks wear off and they don't work anymore. We have to trust God. We can, we're not clever enough to raise children on our own. And so it talks about the husband and wife being like-minded, being on the same page and praying together. And, and, uh, and husbands dwell with them according to knowledge that your prayers be not hindered. God hears and answers our prayers in heaven. Let us consider Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, that's where you find that story. And we named our daughter Hannah because of this. Hannah was a godly woman. She was in a very unusual situation. She was married to a man who had another wife. This is not God's plan, but this is how things had become. And so she was living with a husband who had another wife. And the other wife had children, and Hannah did not. And she was brokenhearted about the fact that she didn't have any children. And the other wife, of course, was rubbing it in her face. So (coughs) God gave her a child when she prayed and begged God. And she promised God that she would give him back to the Lord if he would give her a child. And God gave her a child, and she named him Samuel. And she did bring him when he was old enough to live with Eli at the tabernacle. And then God blessed her with many more children. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when she brings the child back to the tabernacle, can you imagine? I I can imagine how old he was, but he must have been pretty young. And it says when she offers him to live and to stay and serve at the tabernacle with Eli, it says in verse 27, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And Samuel became one of the great prophets in the Bible. And she was blessed for her her faith and her uh, keeping her vow of giving him back to God. But she says, for this child I prayed. I hope that you're praying for your children. My wife continues to pray, and we I continue to pray for our children. It doesn't matter if they're grown and out of the house. And Our oldest was here last week, but we're still praying for them. And, and then pretty soon praying for grandchildren. We're praying for the grandchild that's on the way <clears throat> and praying for them as well. Have you prayed for your children? That's a good question. Have you prayed for your children? So in Numbers 26.59, you don't need to turn there, but in Numbers 26.59, we find out the names of Moses' parents. In Exodus chapter number 1, it doesn't tell us the names, but in Numbers 26, it does tell us the names, and they were Amram and Jochebed. Amram, the husband, and Jochebed. They were praying parents who believed God and trusted the Lord. Prayer is not a substitute for faith. In our prayer life, we must still have faith and not just say prayers that we don't believe. We must look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And so 
we must trust that God will do the work. And then you flip the page to page 50, and it says at the top of the page, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God. It is not us. <clears throat> there was a time where I had to realize I can't make my children obey because then I would get the credit for it. I am supposed to spank them and I am supposed to discipline them and I did make them go to church when they were younger because that's just what you're supposed to do because see, as a parent, you are supposed to make them obey to an extent. In other words, they don't like broccoli but they're not allergic to broccoli. They need to eat broccoli. Why? Because that's just good for you and you need to learn to eat what you don't like. Now there's women elbowing their husbands right now. Uh, too late, ladies. But anyhow... Um, it's just good to, and that's why God gives children to parents, so that we would demonstrate to them what is good. And we don't just let them vote. <clears throat> what should we have for dinner tonight? Especially when it got to be four kids in the house and two adults, because then we'd always lose the vote. And every night we'd have M&Ms. You can't, you, can't you can't just decide, you know, let's vote on it. We'll have M&Ms every night. That's not, no. The parent knows that's not good for them. All right, so the parent says no sometimes, and the parent says no, we can't do this this time. This is so the parent guides, and so yeah, we brought them to church. And you know, wow, well, that's not freedom. Well, of course it's not freedom necessarily because they're under our control. Guess who gave them to us? God gave them to us, and we're we're supposed to control and to operate and to teach them. Now, not only did we bring them to church, but we taught them to sit still. Why? Because if you sit still, you're a good Christian. No. But if you sit still, you will learn more, and people around you will learn more, because you're not distracting them. And it's just a good habit. Learning the books of the Bible. As we get up here and we do the sword drills in the books of the Bible. Why? Because it's a good habit. I remember Dominic. He's in heaven now, but Dominic said, Man, I, I couldn't believe these kids could find the books in the Bible. I can't, I'm I'm a 60-year-old, and I can't find the books. In the, well, that's what we do it for, just to train. It's just a training. And um, there came a time, though, in fact, yesterday, there's this plastic rod. It's a CPVC. I think it's a half inch. And it's plastic, of course, and it's hollow. And for years, that about two-and-a-half-foot CPVC rod stayed right in the hallway of our house for years and um, I'll just let you guess what we did with it what we used it for and um, yesterday there's a secondary use that we've also used it for whenever we fill our softener our water softener with salt there's always some salt that gets caked in the back and so we take that rod that we use for a primary reason and the secondary reason, we would chip away at that salt that was back there and get it to break loose so it wouldn't get all gunked up in the back. Yesterday, we were, I was filling up the, the uh, salt again, and Sam poured in the bag. And I said, hey, where's the rod at? And he said, it's in my room. And I guess that was the last person that needed the rod. And uh, so <clears throat> I said, well, bring it out. So I, we grabbed the rod, and I chopped it up. And, and then I said, do we really need to put this back in your room? Probably not. And so we probably could just throw it out here and, you know, hopefully we don't need this anymore. Right, guys? You say, Pastor, you really wouldn't. No, probably not. 
I mean, I hope not. But for years we did. And that's certainly a part of being a parent. But you know what? There comes a time where if, if they're only obeying because they have to, man, they're going to they're gonna split the scene, and you know it. It's not going to work. So you have to recognize the importance of handing them over to the Lord, of, of, of saying, all right, now your heavenly Father's in charge of you. And I'll still pray for you, and I still love you. But, and so we have to recognize it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It can't be me and what I want and dictate all the time. Our children need more than what we can produce in their lives. They need what God can do in their hearts. There is a limit to what we can do, but there is no limit to what God can do. And oh, by the way, you never outgrow your need for his spankings and his discipline and his correction. And that's something that we all have to understand. All right, so let's look at some things today concerning Moses and his parents. Exodus chapter 1. Just like Hannah dropped off her son, what a heart-rending scene. <clears throat> Hannah dropping off her son. But, but as hard as that might be that she would drop off her son to serve at the temple, what was even harder was what you read about Moses and his parents. In Exodus chapter 1, <coughs> in verse 22, Pharaoh charged all his people saying, Every son that is born, talking about the Hebrews, ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So the Hebrew parents have faced a huge crisis, the law of the land. And Pharaoh happened to be the most powerful human being on the planet right then. Egypt was the kingdom of the world. And Pharaoh was in charge, and he just made a rule saying, all baby boy Hebrews are to be killed. So, you live in China, you're not supposed to have large families. What are you going to do? Well, if you're going to obey God, are you going to obey the government? We're not Chinese, so we don't have to face those decisions. <clears throat> but if you're in China, you might be reading this story a lot and reminding yourself of what God did here. These Hebrew parents responded the same way we must respond to all the evils that confront our children in this day and hour. If we try to match flesh against flesh, muscle against muscle, we will lose every time. <clears throat> when we pray and seek God's face for our children, we are engaging the enemy with one of the most powerful weapons at our disposal. So I can't prove this, but I just know this, that Amram and Jochebed began to pray. And they saw that God had a, de a design for this boy. They knew that God did not want this boy to be killed. And they just decided they're going to do something about it and they're going to pray. So with our finger in Exodus, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 6. Janie quoted Ephesians chapter 6 a minute ago. So let me read it. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our real battle is not with people, it's with spiritual wickedness. They could focus on Pharaoh. We need to assassinate Pharaoh. We need to take out Pharaoh. They could try to start up a committee to, to get Pharaoh out of office or something like that. And, and that's all human design. But prayer is the real a weapon against the spiritual wickedness in high places. And Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So these two parents, Amram and Jochebed, would have had to have been praying, Oh, God, help us. The law says that we're supposed to kill this boy. 
We can't kill this boy. You don't want us to kill this boy. What are we going to do? God, help us. So praying parents engage in spiritual warfare as they pray for their children. If your child goes to the public school, you should be praying every day, every minute that they're there, asking God to guide them and guard them because who knows what kind of bombardment they're going to get. But even if they don't go to the public school, they're surrounded by this world. And when I was a kid, I didn't, you didn't have Internet in your pocket, but you have it now, and, and kids can get exposed to all kinds of things. <clears throat> and um, we are, we're going to be incorporating the pornography purity part of our into our hope on Friday nights concerning uh, that part of it because it's just huge. And <clears throat> we have young men and adult men in our church that <coughs> are way more influenced by that than they are drugs or, or anything else. But, and so it needs to be incorporated. And it's not just young men, it's old men alike. We're bombarded with the attacks of Satan. What do you think destroys home? Pornography destroys many homes as much as alcohol does or anything else. <clears throat> we need to recognize the bombardment that we're in. So praying for your children. Then praying parents make their house a home. Chapter 2, verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife of the daughter of Levi. And we know they're Amram and Jochebed. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. <clears throat> Without prayer, we do not have a home. We only have a house. But these people were godly. They worshiped God. They were God's people. And praying parents make their house a home. I said this earlier. Let me repeat it. There was a family that moved to a new area, and they started going to a church, but they hadn't found a house yet, and they were just living in a in a, a temporary location. And a lady said to the daughter, Honey, I'm so sorry you don't have a home. And she said, Oh, we have a home. We just don't have a house to put it in yet. And that's how you ought to think. Every family is a home. It doesn't matter how big or small the house is. You have a home, and that home can either be good or bad. Now, let me say this. The home of the Hebrew slaves was better than the Pharaoh's home. The Pharaoh's palace was much nicer than their house. These are Hebrew slaves. But the home that they had was better than Pharaoh's home, no matter how fancy the house was. But praying parents make their house a home. And that home, as simple as it was, and as simple as the house it was in, was still greater and more powerful and more protected by God than Pharaoh's palace. Now look at verse 3. Praying parents bring peace to their home. Verse 3, and when she could not no longer hide him, <clears throat> she could not longer hide him. He was getting to be three months old. And little infants start making lots of noise. She took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink she made a little waterproof basket and his sister his older sister Miriam stood afar off to wit what would be done to him and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the river's side and when she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid to fetch it so <clears throat> Praying parents bring peace to their home. God hears those prayers, and God is paying attention to those prayers. And because of those prayers, there is peace in the home. When there, when there was turmoil, when there was agony and, and strife and problems, there's peace in the home. God allows overwhelming circumstances in our lives. He does. He allows it. Why? To challenge us and to bring us to the end of ourselves. Stop relying on our own resources and our own muscle. 
our own ability and our own money <clears throat> so that we can learn to, that we cannot handle life apart from him. That's possibly why you're having a problem right now today is that he's just wanting you to learn you just can't handle it on your own. And folks, as, as we go forward in, into the future, I think this is going to be more reality than not. I think we're going we're gonna to see more and more wickedness in our government, more wickedness in the people around us. And it's overwhelming. And it becomes overwhelming. <clears throat> but what's the answer? God. And I don't believe that this woman made all this, took all this time to make this waterproof basket, put her precious baby boy in it, and then floated it out in the river and then went back home and watched TV. I think she kept praying. I think she continued to pray and to, I mean, I, I would. I can only imagine if you knew that your child was out there alone and totally unguarded except for God, you'd be talking to God a lot. We need to recognize that. There's nobody, honestly, there's really nobody out there that's terribly concerned about kids. A lot of people think kids are just trash. I can't stand to watch these videos of abductions. Child standing on the side of the road and somebody drives by and grabs them and holds them. I just, I just, can't, I just can't stand to watch it. And, and yet Satan is doing that all the time, grabbing them, grabbing their minds. Uh, exposing them to sin. I was just, I think it was, I think it was second grade. I was at a friend's house and he had a neighbor friend who we ended up over at their house and that was the first time I saw porno, porno, pornographic magazines because of the man in that house. And Satan was trying to grab me. We need to recognize that our children are being attacked and Satan hates the potential that's there. And parents need to constantly be aware. Now, I don't believe we're supposed to just have children that are attached to the hip and they never are out of mommy's sight. I don't think that's good for them either. But we need to be aware of the need to be praying because it was the prayers, I believe, of these parents no doubt they, there's just no way they just floated this kid out in the river and then just forgot about him. Well, they were praying for him. I'm sure he was on their mind all the time. And they had Miriam watching while they were doing work, while they had to do their work. Page 51. Praying parents fortify their children against evil. <clears throat> we're going to stop from Exodus. We'll keep our finger there and go off all the way to John just to show you some protection. John chapter 10, John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. In other words, my sheep are in my hand. I know them and they are secure. They're in my hand and they're in the Father's hand. So praying parents fortify their children against evil. Lord, protect them from the evil. Job did this. In Job chapter 1, the Bible says Job prayed for his children because he said, I don't know if something could be happening to them. 
you you say, well, Caleb Furs, man, he just looks like such a you know guy with with everything on the ball. And listen, we need to be praying. We need to be on, always praying because if he is someone that's on the ball, I promise you, <coughs> Satan doesn't want that to happen. Satan wants to attack him. So we need to be praying for even our grown children and that they'll continue to be protected. And then praying parents place their priorities in the proper order. Exodus chapter 2, again, and it says in verse 5 that Pharaoh's daughter came down to wash at the river and her maidens walked along and, she, and all of a sudden she noticed something. Verse 6, and when she had opened the basket, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept. Now I think possibly God's angel that was guarding that little baby pinched him right at that moment because there's something special about a baby who's crying that just kind of does something to a young woman. <clears throat> And she had compassion on him, see? Boom, that's what the tears were for. And said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She knew instantly what this was all about. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? So, here we have verse 6 and 7. We're going to look at this. Praying parents place their priorities in the proper order. When you're talking to God, you realize what's important. Because as you're talking to God, he's going to start talking to you, and you're going to start reading your, your, his word, and you're going to start realizing what he's thinking. That's why talking to God is good, because it helps you to know how he's thinking. And it helps you to start thinking like he's thinking. And so here's Miriam, who had been told to watch the basket. And she sees the princess getting the basket. Can you imagine her heart racing and pounding at 100 miles an hour? Miriam walked up. And asked the princess if she could call someone to nurse the child for her. Now, could they have planned this ahead of time? Could they have said, all right, we're going to put him in a basket. And when Pharaoh's daughter sees the basket, she's going to open it up. And she's going to be like, oh. And so then you go ahead and you offer someone to nurse him. No, they could not have possibly planned this. They couldn't have rehearsed this. They, Mom and dad couldn't have instructed Miriam. Now, make sure you say this when Pharaoh's daughter opens the basket. They couldn't have even had a clue Pharaoh's daughter was going to open the basket. But because her parents were praying and believing God, somehow they knew step by step what was to be done. That's the cool thing. How did Miriam know what to say? I mean, how old was this girl, Miriam? 10 years old, 15 years old? Probably not more than 12 or 15. How old she was, I don't know. How did she know to say that? How did she know to think that way? That's God, see? Prayer helps us to know what God wants and how he thinks. The more we're praying, the more we start thinking how God wants us to think and start planning according to his way of thinking. And, to, and then, as we're in tune with him, we see what he's doing. And Marion probably stand there, and all of a sudden she sees a very important group of dignitaries coming down to the water <gasps> oh there's the basket over there oh oh i think it's pharaoh's daughter oh this is bad and then oh she sees the basket oh no she's look and they got the basket and and then ah, wah, oh now everybody knows it's a baby and then she sees pharaoh's daughter oh oh 
and something in that little girl's brain said, boom. And she knew exactly what to say. That's how God works. That's how God works. There's no doubt in my mind that back at home, Jochebed was saying, oh God, I want to see him again. Oh God, I, I please protect him. Oh God, I want to see him again. I, I want to have, I want to be able to hold him again. And God was going to answer her prayer in the most unusual way. Because what happens next, verse 8, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and said, she said, Because I drew him out of the water. You talk about cool. Now, it never says it. Nobody ever says it. But I'm thinking there's a wink. I'm thinking Pharaoh's daughter knows exactly who this woman. Could I go find someone to nurse him for you? I happen to know of a mother that could nurse him. There's no way that Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know that this is the mother. But to save everybody from being illegal... I just happened to find this baby in this basket. Could you nurse him for me? I'll even pay you. Oh, oh, sure. How awesome. How awesome is that? And so praying parents bring God to their home. God did this. The princess of Egypt eventually claimed this baby as her own son, but obviously first God did something in his life because he had praying parents. And the prayer is what opens up miracles not luck this isn't about luck they got lucky not only not only were they going to get to keep their boy and have permission from pharaoh's daughter to keep him but she was going to pay them don't you think there were probably some hebrews that let their babies get killed i think there might have been i don't think moses was the only baby boy that was born so don't you think there were probably some hebrew families that didn't trust god and said, so we just we got no other choice. It's not our fault. And then they hear the story of how that Jochebed not only got her prayer answered, but she's getting paid. <clears throat> praying parents bring God into their home. And praying parents leave a godly heritage to their children. Eventually, as it says in verse 10, when the child grew, she had to bring him to Pharaoh's daughter. exactly how old Moses was but when the child grew she was able to bring him now I don't know what day that was like I don't know what that must have looked like um, <coughs> but I do have a picture in my mind that helps me to maybe think of it we kept a young girl a young baby girl in our home for seven months and the day came that she was going to go back home to her home and um, so I went back in the hallway into the laundry room, and I said, Miss Wilma, they're ready to, to take her, to take her back to her parents. And the look on Miss Wilma's face, clutching that little girl, squeezing her tight and kissing her face, and just the, the grief in her face. And that was just for a, a girl that wasn't hers, but, but she loved and she still loves her, and she's still around. 
but I can only imagine what it must have been for Jochebed to finally have to bring Moses to the palace. And I don't think for one minute that since he was living in the palace, I won't need to pray for him anymore. No, no. Because the Bible says in Hebrews that Moses chose to suffer with the people of God. Moses chose to reject the treasures of Egypt. Moses knew. Somebody put it in the heart of Moses that he was God's people. He was one of God's people, and he was going to serve God. Somebody reminded him of that. And praying parents leave a godly heritage to their children. At the end of his life, Moses looked back in Deuteronomy 33 and 27 and said, The eternal God is thy refuge. It would have been hard for Moses to walk away from all the privilege and power that he had in Pharaoh's palace. But he knew God was bigger. And he rejected, it says in Hebrews 11, he rejected the treasures of Egypt. A godly heritage is better than a million dollars, a house on the lake, or anything else that you can imagine. Your children are never too old to take before God. Don't ever stop praying for them. They need to know that mom and dad are praying for them. And no doubt, Amram and Jochebed continued to pray for their son. And God not only spared him and did a miracle, but turned him into one of the greatest leaders the world ever saw. And that was Moses. And so what a great example of being praying parents and always praying for them. And if you're praying parents, you'll be doing parents. If you're praying parents, you'll discipline them the right way. If you're praying parents, you'll make sure they're where they ought to be and eating what they ought to be and reading what they ought to be and where they ought to be because you're praying and you're not just praying, saying a prayer, but you're really praying for them. You're really concentrating and focusing and then God is speaking to your heart and saying, this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do and this is what you need to cut out and this is what you need to stop doing. And there were things that <clears throat> my parents didn't allow me to do and then there were things that my parents made sure I did do. <coughs> but I do believe behind the scenes they were praying we have to be if we're going to see, see a difference. And don't ever give up. Your children are never too old to still be prayed for. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to teach and talk about prayer. And this particular week is on the subject of family and children. Help us to never assume that because everyone says they're good, that they're, they're okay. And that they can't be attacked and they can't be destroyed. Help us to never assume that just because they are good today that they will never have a problem. Help us to never assume that Satan doesn't want them. Help us to be very wary and help us to be constantly praying and alert and mindful of what your will is so we'll know exactly what you'd have us to do when the time comes. Thank you, God, for your opportunities and your privilege that you give to us to pray and to be godly. Help us to be God-fearing parents, may you bless the parents in this church who really try and put you first and lead their children. Help them to be blessed, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.